Matt. Dave, 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 Dave. How are you? I'm great. Very happy to see you. Good to see you. Your shirt says it all. Feelings. It just says feelings. Yes, it does. I'm having a lot of them. Is it, oh, yeah? Well, good. Uh, what feelings are you having? I'm having feelings of excitement for the holidays. Sure. I am having um, just, you know, general end of year wrapping up enthusiasm. Great. You? Same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, have, uh, a depression has is slowly lifting. Good. To, if I can be totally honest. Okay. So how how does that feel for you? How do you know that you're at the end? Because I'm I'm about a month in on Wellbutrin. Okay. <laughs> oh really? Okay. I, yes. Actually. All right. Okay. Uh, and and you're noticing it working big time. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's just a just a slight shift upward. Really? Um, and I wasn't, it was not a, like a debilitating depression at all. It was almost the kind where I didn't even, you don't even realize until afterward mm-hmm. that it was happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. Any side effects? Uh, no. I mean, my doctor sold it to me in an amazing way and I don't even know if this, I hope this is accurate, but he's, and I'm also, it's been a month that I've so far so good. He was like, um, yeah, I mean, you're not. It's not going to decrease your libido. If anything, it's going to uh, increase it. Wow. Um, you won't gain weight. If anything, you'll lose uh, probably lose five to ten pounds. I was like, great. Why? What have I we, been waiting why for? Why is it not in the water supply? Because I think for for people who run anxious, it's not for everyone. Oh, I, I didn't see. mean to go down such a no, no. It sounds like we're doing. I'm doing an ad for Wellbutrin. No, I kind of am. So, have you noticed any anxiety? No, really. No, I actually less anxiety than before. I mean, I get, I have it. I ha, it it comes and goes, but that has not not really been my primary gotcha. issue. Gotcha. Um, it doesn't seem to be affected. Wow. Well, thank you for telling me. Hey, okay. thank you for uh, you know creating a safe space for me to well, tell you. Did, was there a moment where you were like, ah, oh. God, uh, no? It's 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 much more subtle than that. Okay, uh, honestly. I, the first day that I took it, uh, I like, I swallowed, swallowed the first pill and was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm flying. I feel amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Which of course was completely in my head. Uh Um, no, it's just been more of a gradual build. Great. Um, and, and just days where I was able to get shit done that other times I would have just, you know, sunk in for season eight of friends Mm -hmm. instead, Mm -hmm. which I still do when I need to, but Anyway, I remember trying Lexapro mm. for maybe six weeks and it didn't solve all my problems right away. So I stopped, but I, I remember being on a plane and we hit really bad turbulence. And after that experience was over, it, I remember feeling the absence of fear. Like this would have freaked me out a month ago, uh. but it, it was, it was like, I was I just wasn't feeling anything. I didn't feel I didn't feel the opposite of fear. I didn't feel confidence. I just it was as though it had taken like white out and just whited out over the feeling of fear. Right. Your your feelings have just been neutered. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's weird. I don't know if I love that. So yes, that, that I think been, that you and I think you probably then made the right decision. Yeah. I or as I feel like I'm sort of in the we're all summer in a way. It was as if my feelings were neutered and really? now I feel a little more like myself. Oh, great. Okay. I don't know if people care about this or this is a strange thing to share, but no, I think it's an important thing to share. Got to destigmatize this stuff. What's going on with you? Uh, what is going on with me? Um, things are good. I um, last weekend went um, to the Lowell Cafe. Oh, right. To cover it for uh, for work. Lowell Cafe, for those who don't know, is the the first weed cafe. Like it's a restaurant, but they also serve. Uh, weed, mm-hmm. and it's the first of its kind. Certainly, will not be the last, but uh, but it is there. And I was like, oh, I should absolutely write about this. So I um, made a reservation. Ben and I went with our friends Scott and Julia, and uh, it. If you want to be in like a bar restaurant environment where absolutely nobody is raising their voice at any time, get yourself to Lowell Cafe. So what goes on there? Okay, so there's a waiter, waiter. Yeah. And then a weed waiter. Wow. Right? So they come by and there's a whole menu and there's all this stuff. And it's like, for me, it's just like, I don't know, give me 
give me this one, I guess. And they have, and they have edibles, they have... There are, well, there are prepackaged edibles. None of the food is infused. Right. So those two things are kept very separate. They will eventually have beer and wine, but right now they don't. So... Oh, no alcohol. So no this, alcohol. You are, okay, got they, it. They have the license, but they just don't have it in the place yet. But so, so your weed waiter comes around and you like look at all of this stuff that you don't know what you're looking at and uh-huh. they have flashy names. And, um, and we basically were like, uh, conversation giggles, no anxiety, please. And, and they were like, terrific. Do this one. They like, then it's, they come to your table with a joint. You can also buy it loose and use one of their like bongs or pipes or whatever, as you would like using a pitcher at a bar. Sure. You know, um, and then, so then, and then there's like a food menu. So we were like, all right, fine, we'll, we'll do this. Um, and like smoked a little bit. And then a- after we did that, I was like, oh, I forgot I hate being high in public. Like it gives me terrible anxiety yeah, yeah. and it freaks me out and I don't know what to do. And also like typically, I'm not, I'm not a huge smoker, but if it happens, it is around something else. It's a concert, it's a movie, it's something, yeah, right? There's something yeah. to focus on. It's never let's smoke and sit at a table and look at each other. Ooh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so conversation was a little slow, a little sluggish. Generally when the four of us are together, it's, you know, a mile a minute, uh-huh. but it was very much not. Um, I, I, I bumped into somebody I knew on the way in and I was like, oh, I should go over and say hello. But then I was like, if I get out of my chair and start walking, everyone here will know I'm high and they'll be mad at me. Yeah. At the yeah, weed yeah, cafe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's very strange. Also, you order food and it's like, I was like, I'll go with the hamburger. Hamburger. Like oh. it's out in less than a minute. Mm, that's that, not what you want. It is exactly what you want. Oh, it is? Yeah. Because by the time you get around to ordering food, you're like, I need, I want food right now. I don't want to be thinking sure, about sure, sure. how long it's going to take to arrive. I want, I want it in my mouth right now. And it comes, and, and in fact, I asked the waiter about it and, and he was like, yeah, no, it's, that is for a reason. Like uh-huh. it's food is ordered here because it is necessary. Right, right, right. But no, no aggression. Like nobody, you know, that crazy shrieky laugh mm-hmm. that you hear people laugh when they're all together at a happy hour? Didn't hear it once. Wow. Whatever fist fights may happen, we're all internal. Mm-hmm. You know what you I mean? You were having one with yourself. Absolutely. But- I did ask. Uh, the maitre d' if there was a panic attack steward, and there is. There is. There absolutely is. Everybody who is like works, every every weed waiter basically is trained to talk you down if things get a little too much. Oh, God. Which has happened a couple of times. Um, well, now I want to go. because You have I, to go. Yeah. It's really, really weird, uh, but I, re- I kind of enjoyed it. And, how and it is the else? wave of the future. Oh, yeah. They're, they're coming for us. Yeah. How, how did everybody else fare? Uh, about the same. It was it was all kind of tenant. Everyone was like, "Oh, this is weird. This mm-hmm. is really weird." And and also, I think everyone was carrying their own weird anxiety about being or seeming high. Yeah, it's very strange. But listen, it's the way it's the way our state is going. So get used to it. Get used to it. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I I give it my seal of approval. Um, but if you can try to be a, just an inherently more relaxed person than I will ever be, if you can do that, if you can manage that, mm-hmm. then I think you'll really enjoy it. You know who I think is an inherently relaxed person? Tell me. I don't know what her relationship to, to weed is, but our guest this week, Mary Lambert. Mary Lambert. You know her as a singer, as a songwriter, as the voice in that Macklemore song about uh, about uh, marriage equality. Uh, she was on stage at the Grammys when there was a mass gay wedding presided mm-hmm. over by Queen Latifah. That's problematic. We don't need to get into it. <laughs> uh, she has a new album coming out called Grief Creature. And uh, she is just, she's all love. You cannot not fall in love with her. Yeah. We both did. Yeah. Uh, it was it was it was an honor to meet her. Truly. Truly. And the Airwolf offices were V excited. That's right. So enjoy Mary Lambert. Folks, we're back with Mary Lambert. <laughs> Welcome. Hi. How are you? I'm wonderful. You seem wonderful. I'm just so happy. You're a glow. Thank you. I mean, you really came in with a with a burst of sunshine, which we needed. <laughs> Thank we you. We did we did a back to back, which we don't always do today. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
And I feel reinvigorated. Okay, good. Yes. Welcome to the day. Yes. <laughs> Do you live here in Los Angeles, Mary? No, I live in Western Massachusetts Ooh. for no reason. Okay. For no reason? <laughs> there must be a reason. It's beautiful out there, and my partner's a professor. Oh, <laughs> that's a very good reason. Okay. And it, where in... Uh, where in uh, I live in Amherst. Oh, yeah, okay. we live in Amherst. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's very... Bohemian and and accepting and cool for Massachusetts. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And where did you grow up? I grew up um, like an hour north of Seattle in Everett, Washington. Oh, okay. So you've been all over. Yeah. I lived in Seattle for a long time. And then, yeah, I moved to Western Mass. And it's like only three hours from New York. Well, on a good day. Yeah. Right. I'm just trying to make it sound a lot nicer. Ideally it's usually like four hours. or five hours. You're <laughs> trying to justify it, but we, we approve. Yeah. We're into the Western <laughs> You tell yeah. how defensive I am. <laughs> we uh, uh, generally start with popular culture. Love um, it. What are you listening to these days? What is, what's on your oh my God. Spotify? Are you, are you Spotify or Apple Music? I'm Spotify. Spotify. Mm. So what is... Um, what if you Spotify? Who have I, I, I? Can I do this? Please. You can give us your um, last few searches. If yeah. You're, if, if you dare. Um, I really like Lizzo's new album. I mean, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucy Dacus. Uh-huh. Love Lucy Dacus. Who did I? I just created a playlist called Wow, I Can Have Fun. Because <laughs> all of my songs are just about crying. Yeah. Um, there's this song called Sunday Best by surfaces that I'm just obsessed with. It is like, it's, it's just so fun. It's fun to listen to. So I want to listen to more of surfaces. So you're, you're okay. consciously reminding yourself, oh, wow, I can have fun. Yeah. I don't hey, have to you, don't, always, you don't have to cry all the time in the car. capable of fun. <laughs> I, I'm obsessed with um, the Casey Musgraves album that came uh-huh. out. I'm I'm just, not. It was like my jam. I'm um, looking up surfaces right now. Courtney Barnett. Sunday best. Leon Le Havas, love her. Mm. Oh yeah, Mandolin Orange is a great. Yeah, they're they're awesome, little folksy. Maggie Rogers, okay, I could just go oh, on yeah. and on. Mm-hmm. Maggie but, Rogers is yeah, good. yeah. And when you are in the mood to cry it out, yes, who's on that playlist? Um, Julian Baker, mm-hmm. uh, Phoebe Bridgers. I think those are the go-to criers. Yeah, you know, like old old songs that I used to cry to, like Bon Iver's Bring Up. Mm. Bring bring it all up. If, uh-huh. I, if I gotta, if I gotta do it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. get it out. Yeah, let it happen. Who are the all time influences? You must get asked this a lot. I haven't talked about it in a long time because everybody mm-hmm. wants to talk about my trauma. I'm sick of it. Yeah. <laughs> we like to talk about that too. But let's start. Yeah. I um this album that I'm working on particularly, I realize is like so heavily influenced by Paula Cole's This Fire, mm. which is like. I think one of the greatest albums of all time. And uh, yeah, Paula Cole, uh, Tori Amos, Under the Pink, some of that old, old school stuff. Old school. Like Lilith Fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Sean Colvin, Tracy Chapman. Yeah. Around that. But but with with my stamp on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What a golden age that was. For real. Um, Did you ever listen to Amanda Marshall? Uh uh-uh. uh. She was uh, around that. She was kind of third tier, <laughs> like side stage Lilith. Yeah. Cool. I want to listen. Should have been huge. She had a song called Birmingham that is that's like a perfect mid nineties post Alanis pop song. Should have really? been huge. Okay, I'm mm. gonna I'm 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 gonna listen. I will. Yeah, I'll, I'll trade you a services for Amanda Marshall. <laughs> okay, perfect. Okay. Okay. I've Good. been having a real Alanis renaissance. Yeah. She's yes. become a new go-to in the car for me. Yeah. And because it was so formative in high school and then it was so then she was so quickly deemed uncool and so I of course backed away and now that I'm old and I don't care what, what's cool. <laughs> exactly. It's just so good. And it's somebody was, oh, when, when um, Rod, Bright Light, Bright Light was here, he was pondering, or Dave, you were pondering, how did this trend of like singers who sort of twist their words or give themselves an accent? Yeah. It, it, like, where did that come from? And yeah. I had the epiphany the other day, like, I think that might be Alanis. It could be Alanis. It, it, yeah. Alanis and Dolores from the Cranberries. Oh right, but yeah, it it ended up being this thing where the word heart is hard. You know what I mean? Like it's you know with that breathy, mm. breathy. You know, yeah. 
live. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. We're, we're deep into that. Uh, what are you watching? Um, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Sure. I but here's the deal. Like I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't know. I about, didn't about Drag Race. I knew it. I knew it. But I, like drag for me, it always been something that I'd been like like had felt obligated to go to because my friend was in the show or something. Mm-hmm. And and I just don't think I, I'm not sure that I ever like seen like good drag. So right. I was just very skeptical. I was like, oh, it's like the, the, my association with drag is like, you're on a date with a hot girl and then the drag show starts and you don't get to talk to her anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just And it's never... just like a, like a mid tier queen doing about a lot of bad puns. <laughs> exactly. and like, Okay. I guess we're doing this. So I never watched the show until like, like four or five months ago, and now I'm just binge watching everything, and I feel like feel really, really guilty. No, I, I'm well, not guilt. I'm not guilt watching. I'm like enjoying it, but I'm just but, like, what? Why? What was wrong with yeah. me? I yeah. think it finds us when it finds us. There's no <laughs> wrong time. No. Who are your your Who are the standouts for you? Uh, I love I love Nita West. <sighs> we I had love, her on a drag con. Oh, yeah, wonderful. Amazing. I love Adore. Mm. Sure. Um, just that conversation she has with the, uh, I forgot who she's interviewing, but someone's talking about the depression and she goes, party. Party. <laughs> party. Just love it. Yeah, she's um, a dream. <laughs> what else are we watching? Oh, Hard Knocks. I'm a, we're really into sports, so yeah. football's, you know, it's preseason right now. It's oh. a great time. It's a great time to be alive. Who are they following this season? Uh, the Raiders. The Raiders. It's cool. Antonio oh, wow. Brown's on the Raiders, so it's just, it's a very exciting time okay. for football. Okay. I've been told, I I mean, neither of us are you know, sports people, but I have been told that Hard Knocks is just really compelling. Oh, it's of. awesome. Yeah. And I, my partner and I have been watching, um, there's this like very, it's an obscure game. It's like between the Angels and the like Chicago White Sox and Bill Walton, who's like a basketball guy is like, he's, he and was like the color commentator on this game. And it is so funny because it's like it's like the first time he's ever been to a baseball game. I also think he's done like a lot of acid or something because <laughs> yeah. he's just like halfway through the game. He's like, so how long? How do you know when this game is done? <laughs> it's like he gets like, excited when there's a foul ball. Like it's just it was just a blast to listen to. Amazing. That would that would be me as a commentator. <laughs> uh, movies. Mm. Honestly, I, f- I loved Toy Story. I love the new Toy yeah. Story. Mm-hmm. I saw it twice. Really? We saw it at the drive-in um, in Arkansas, and then we we watched it again in the theater. Uh-huh. And I I I'm obsessed with it. I think it's one of the best movies ever made. Wow! Just the the dialogue in it that it's phenomenal. It's so well done. Huh? <laughs> I've only seen the original. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I've never seen a sequel, but I understand that. The, the later ones are very emotional, mm-hmm. and I don't know yeah. that I'm prepared. That makes sense. Because yeah. that will make me. Yeah. That and anything dog-related will make me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I refuse to watch the dog time. movies. Yeah. My dog, about three minutes ago, farted violently. And I, <laughs> I don't – it seemed to have, like, not ho- hovered across the table, but I just wanted to apologize in advance. I, it's I a thing to watch I don't have for. a sense of smell. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't have a sense of smell. I've never talked about it because it's never really come up. But uh, yeah, zero has that has that always been the case? Um, yeah, I think so for as long as I can remember. My sister also doesn't have a sense of smell. But do you so, have a sense of taste? Not as I mean, I have nothing to compare to. But I oh. think that it's like it's probably affected. Tell me your favorite foods, and I'll tell you if you have a sense of taste. Uh, <laughs> Um, I love, of course, the first thing I think of is like, I love mashed potatoes. Yeah. Um, yeah that's, that's a texture based yeah. 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 food. So I'm getting a clue. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I love, um, um, uh, what do I really like to make? I love meats. Okay. Yeah. I love a good steak. I okay. Like really, I like raw meat. Okay. Mm. <laughs> you might not have a sense of taste. I mean, I like those things too. But are you a wine drinker? Yes. Okay. Well, and here's the thing. I used to be like a craft bartender. I can really, I can feel, I I know this is weird, but I can feel like nuance. Like yeah. I can feel it. I can feel when something's off. I'm a really, really good cook and I'm a really good bartender. And I can, I don't know how to smell these flavors, but I can feel like when there's a disconnect if it's not right. Yeah. Interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about like wine and palates and stuff, but mm-hmm. I do think that there's a lot of stuff that even if you don't have a sense, even if you don't have a, a true sense of taste, mm-hmm. that there are you can still pick up on notes and yeah, yeah. Textures. textures, yeah, yeah. Yes. There's a different mouthfeel for all the different exactly. varietals and yep. whatever. Yeah, some are really I'm big. big. Yep. Yeah. What wines do you like? Oh, um, what did we just have that blew my mind? It was a Charles Smith, but it was like one of the, it was like a 2006 Charles Smith. It was really good. Um, there's this wine that I found called Murph. Okay. That's really, like, it's super affordable. I just bought one and then I loved it. It's great mouthfeel, really jammy. And yeah. I just got, I went back and got like four other bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this winery in um, Washington called Darby and they have this, they have this, like blend called uh, Chaos. Darby Chaos, I think, is my favorite wine of all time. Mm. It's, it's a good rack. It's really good. <laughs> my mouth is watering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you should, while you're in California, mm-hmm. get up to a Santa Barbara, do a, yeah. little, do a little wine tour. Yes. A little Los Olivos wine day. I would love that. It's the I've never, I've never been to a winery. Oh, it's oh, great. I know. Yeah, they're accessible. And even if, if you can't get to Santa Barbara, there's you can go to Malibu. I think there's a good one in Malibu. There are a couple good ones in Malibu. Um, I should say I've I've been to a winery because I've performed at wineries, but I've never like gone to a winery for 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 fun. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. I mean, I had a good time. Do you see how yes, di- I'm yes. trying to be diplomatic? Yeah, here? you like, didn't have the full experience <laughs> that you, you deserve thank to have. You, thank right. You. <laughs> you had responsibilities. How is it performing at a winery? Oh, it's a blast. They're always so beautiful. Yeah. And I performed at this winery, at City Winery in Nashville, and um, they, they like, made a bottle for me, and it had my picture on it, and I signed a few, and they sold them, and I thought, this is genius. This is so cool. Oh, cute. Did you get to keep one? Yes, I have two of them. They're on my, they're on my award shelf. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is cool. This All is right. a milestone. Ah. What else is on the award shelf? <laughs> um, a VMA. Oh, okay. And, okay. We've um, heard of that. <laughs> and some other stuff. Just some uh-huh. little some other things. <laughs> just bits and bops. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, do, I'm sorry to ask a really basic question, but can you just talk about how you got into performing? Yeah. I was always I was always doing it. My mom's a singer-songwriter. And so um, we grew up in like a pretty like traumatic, abusive household. And so I listened and heard my mom playing piano and singing, and like she would play, like she'd put us to bed and she'd play for hours and hours and hours, and she'd just sing. And she has the most gorgeous voice, and of course I'd like crawl out of my bed and I'd just like lay right by the you know the door frame and fall asleep listening to her play, and that was like my upbringing and. Of course, she was like, you know, she was depressed. She was going through a lot. And from an early age, it gave me an example of like how you can take pain and, and you know, trials into making something beautiful out of it. And um, so I started writing my own songs when I was five years old. Five. <laughs> but they were like, I mean, they were like, we're, we're going outside and then, you know, and uh then I started, I taught myself guitar and piano when I was about, I guess, like seven or eight. And I just kept going. I, I was always wow. the weird kid anyway. So I had something to put all my energy into because everybody, I was made fun of, but I wasn't aware that I was being made fun of, which thank God. For being like a weird music kid who was lost in her head? I, 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 we were really, really poor. And so I didn't own a pair of jeans until I was like 15 years old. I just wore stretch pants that had holes in them. And, and I, because I didn't have a sense of smell, I didn't know if I smelled bad and mm. I didn't wear deodorant and I, I was stinky, I think. Oh, <laughs> and I also talked to myself a lot. I was going through a lot of trauma at the time. And so I think... Part of me just was like developed a, another sense of reality. Yeah. And I think if I had known how many people were making fun of me or what, like I thought my best friend was in retrospect, she was, she was, she was bullying me. She was really mean to oh me. Oh my God. <laughs> she was like yanking my backpack the whole way to school oh. going like, like, why are you walking like this? I'm like, Nikki, you're so crazy. <laughs> oh, <no>. Nikki <laughs> and I always play this game. She's, yeah. she's so ex- fun. Exactly. Well, we accept the love and the friendship that we think we deserve, <laughs> yeah. right? And at yeah. the time, you didn't, uh, you I didn't, didn't know. know you were. But then 
I think it kind of worked in my favor because, like, my later years in high school, I had a great time. I had a ton of friends. I was like, I had a, I, had a, I really blossomed and all this, like, as I just was, I had always been my weird self, and all of a sudden it was cool to be weird. Mm-hmm. And I had all, I'd spent all this time, like, learning and playing songs and, and writing music that all of a sudden I was kind of good at something. And when you're a kid, it's neat to be good at something, you know? Yeah. And it gives you a skill that you can. It's like, you know, like, here's a piece of gum. And all of a sudden, you're the person at lunch yeah. who has gum, you know? <laughs> yeah. But you were the person who was, I mean, putting on shows? And- yeah, yeah. I would. What I would do is I, my first, my first gig, I decided when I was like 13 and I wanted, I was like, I'm ready to be famous. And so I called, I, um, I tried to find an agent and my mom didn't know I was doing that. And she's like, you need to at least, you need to do some shows or something. Like maybe, maybe that's the the ticket. And at this point I had written six full songs on guitar that I was really proud of. And, um, I sent like a tape into Oprah and, uh, <laughs> what was the tape? It was just me singing a song. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I was obsessed. I I'd just wanted it. That tape. So I called, I called every, I heard, I had heard that, um, Jewel had her start like, uh, playing in coffee houses and bars. And so I was like, I'm going to do that. So I called every coffee house in the phone book. And, um, and I, of course it's this 12 year old being like, do you need an in-house musician? <laughs> and I was just hustling. I just wanted it so bad. And then finally I was like, well, I guess I'll try Starbucks. So I called Starbucks and the guy who answered was a general manager and he happened to be a composer. And he was like, you know what? Sure. Why don't you come in and I'll, and I'll audition you. And so I came in right after school with my guitar and I played him two songs and he cried. He was crying because I've pretty much had the same voice for oh. like, my voice has always been pretty developed. So I had this like very strangely mature voice when I was like 12 or 13. And, and he was like, okay, here's the deal. Like we can't pay you, but you can play here Friday nights. Um, and you can leave your guitar case open. And so from when I was 13 to 15, Every Friday night, I would play at my local Starbucks from 6 to 8 p.m. And I only had six songs, so I had to play for two hours, which meant that I was just improvising the whole time. Wow. And I got really, really good at improvising, which mean that I meant, it meant that I got really good at writing mm-hmm. and, like, thinking on my feet. And um, at that point, I decided which college I wanted to go to. I wanted to go to Cornish, which is in Seattle, and I wanted to uh, be a music teacher. And so... And then I started working at that Starbucks, so it, it afforded me my my all my all the things I wanted to do. Wow. This is the best Starbucks story I've ever yeah, had. Right? I've seen them in a whole new light. Honestly. <laughs> wow. And then um I wanna I mean, just bringing Massachusetts and children. Yes. And Mary Lambert together. <laughs> um I remember hearing like hearing Sam Love for the first time mm. and being like, this is beautiful. And then I was on my way to my college reunion in Worcester. Oh, wow. In a rental car. And I just found like the local top, uh, top 40 station. And they played it. And I w- was on the highway surrounded by like carpools, you know, because it was around three or four in the afternoon. Yeah. And there were all these young kids in like minivans and stuff yeah. coming home from school. And like, I imagined that they all had the same station mm. on because you pro- that you just put on the top forty station when you're doing carpool, right? Yeah. And like all of these kids getting the message of that song, and like just hearing it, like that, mm. just the idea of that idea yeah. getting into all of these minds was over. Like I almost had to pull the car over. Yeah, <laughs> there was so just that idea is so incredible. Yeah, just that you know, like an eight year old is hearing that it's okay to be them for the first time yeah. in the back of a car is just fucking, I, I hope that you know that that is a thing that has happened it, countless times yeah. around the world, you know? Yeah, we're really lucky. I, I It's funny because it's been so long, you know, it's been not so long, but it's been about five years since we, you know, released it and and just the sort of the the ricochet the effect of it is still really powerful for me yeah to just think of like even even being on a stage and being like this like you know fat like queer bipolar woman like on a stage 
I, I just, there was nobody that looked like me when I was growing up. There was yeah. nobody that was, that said that how I felt was okay. And when I write music and when I perform, I do it for like, I do it for 17 year old me. I do yeah. it for like knowing that I was lacking a role model in, in media that looked like me or that sounded like me. And when we did, when we performed at the Grammys, I, I remember that feeling. And it, it was exactly that feeling of like, holy shit, like this is going to go out to all like, to like kids everywhere. Yeah. And they're going to, and you can't not be moved. You can't mm. not be moved by a mass wedding. I'm right. sorry. Yeah. You're not a robot. <laughs> even if you, even if you're hard, you know, like. Yeah. It was a beautiful thing to be a part of. And I just, I was so, I cried so much at that time just because mm. I was thinking about oh, just growing up and feeling and feeling really alone and alienated. And like, there was just no other option. I attempted suicide when I was 17 and, and I just, I, I wonder what it would have, what it, what it would have been like if I had had someone like me, you yeah. know, to be like, okay, there's, I can, I can get out of this. Yeah. There is survival. Yeah. Well, Faye just really bad. The, the worst. Did she punctuate the moment. The, she punctuated the moment with an audible fart. I'm so sorry. I'm only we're saying it because I'm like this may have been picked up on the mics. Wow, she has the worst slash best timing. Anyway, I wanted to ask you. Wow, um, if there must be countless experiences you're obviously still having them about mm. you know people who have been moved by your music but is there one that really jumps out at you or one that um you know really changed things yeah i i mean it's for a while it was for a while it was like tons of messages a day to where i was like almost i just kind of felt used to it i was like oh yeah we're changing the world or whatever <laughs> you know and um but i think um the shock of of that being a reality was huge because when we wrote the song i was like i'm going to get murdered like we're going to be we're going to be killed like there's no way that this coming from like a, a rapper like going onto like like on the radio on mainstream radio and me talking about like loving a girl is not it's not going to go well yeah and, you know, yeah, like the, there were some, there was some heat for it, but in, I was, we were mostly congratulated and, and praised and, um, rewarded for it. So the feedback was always incredible, but I think in particular, I remember I did this show at a, a pride festival and this woman was a, um, she was a minister and she had been in the closet for a really long time. And she knew that if she came out, she it w she would went to a kind of church and that uh, would ostracize her and she wouldn't be allowed back. And she said after going and seeing um, me perform, she just knew there was no other way to she she didn't want to hide anymore. Wow. And I just I just bawled, I just cried, and I just held her and and you know as like. I still identify as a Christian and so just to, you know, sort of talk about faith with her and um for her to know that there's no, you know, there's no like Christian teachings aren't antithetical to the queer lifestyle. You know, yeah. I hate to say queer lifestyle. I hate myself, but I but it's not it's the it's the community that is really you know, screwed things up for, yeah. for a lot of people like, like us. So that was pretty, pretty heavy. It, it's amazing that you have managed to stay open. I can't imagine having that much emotion, you know, thrown at me on a regular basis, mm. but you are still able to absorb it. It seems. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I've always been that way. <laughs> I just want to, I want, I, I want to care for people. And I know that like, um, the project I'm working on right now, my, my, I released my book about a year ago that talks about pretty heavy stuff, 
when I do a meet and greet line, it's not a meet, it's not a meet and greet line for a photo. It's a meet and greet so I can hold people while they're crying. Like, and and I just, I I I have my crystals. I do my I do my my meditations before. Like, I feel like I do a pretty good job of taking care of myself. I have my boundaries where I need to, but I know how cathartic music and art can be for a, for a transition, for, for learning things about yourself and for healing. And if I can be of service in some way, then that's what I want to do. And I think that's why I feel, I feel less like a pop artist or a, you know, an, an entertainer in that sense. Cause I feel like what I'm trying to do is a bit more subversive in that I want, I feel like I'm first and foremost, like a healer that is here to, to care for you and mm-hmm. here to hold you. And um, it's less about like, look what I can do. You know, I can't do like vocal acrobatics or things like that. And I don't, I mean, it would be cool too, but it's just not, it's not what I do. And I just love, I love what I do. I love, I love the people that come to my shows. I love meeting them. I love engaging with them. It's all people that are experiencing something and, and hurting through something and, and, wanting to wanting to live through it mm. i love that we should take a quick break let's do that we'll be right back with mary lambert we are back with mary lambert <laughs> um before the break, we talked about uh, your your faith a little bit, and I want to get a little deeper into that. Mm. Um, are you in in a like an organized church of any kind? I am still trying out churches that I like or don't like. You're auditioning. I'm auditioning churches. You're yeah, dating churches. Um, I was very against uh, church for a while, especially for you know I wrote same love from the. I I wrote that line, you know, I'm not crying on Sundays because like every Sunday I went to church, I went to a not affirming church and I would sit in the pew every Sunday after service and I would just sob. I would just cry. I was like, I knew it was my, I, I needed to apologize to God every day for mm-hmm. being gay and, and for living in sin. And I was 17 years old. <laughs> like you're 17 and you you already feel like you don't fit in. And you, you know? haven't even had a chance to sin. Exactly. You're just existing. Exactly. So I was very against church for a long time. Um, and I felt like, you know, religion and especially Christianity, just keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and over the last couple of years, um, you know, my partner's also Episcopalian and my family's Episcopalian. Um, and that's – I. I realized I really love that that denomination because it's very it's very classic and it's like in its liturgy and very progressive and ideology. And so um I miss I missed community. I missed it. And and it's not really about anything else other than like finding finding people. Um, but I found this service that I really like called, and I feel like I pronounce it incorrectly, but it's, I think it's called Teze or Teze, but it's like, it's, a, it's an interfaith, uh, uh, service and people of all faiths kind of come and, and worship how they want to. And yeah. it's just a lot of singing and a lot of silent prayer and meditation. And, sure. and that's nice. Cause I'm still next to somebody I don't know that is yeah. that yeah, like is seeking some sort of, you know, connection to the the greater world and a higher yeah. power and and I'm also still in a church which feels comforting to me yeah. but nobody's telling me that I'm you know I'm a bad person and you're probably around an, uh, some other sort of ideological exiles exactly also, people who yeah. are on their own kind of journey yes so I really like that okay <laughs> what do you make of the the like crop of Hollywood um, mega churches that are have become very, you know, there are a lot of pop artists and stuff that flock to them. Do you know, you know what I'm talking about? I kind of know what you're talking about. There's because, Hillsong. There's right. a, oh, yeah. a Bieber one. That Bieber might be. There's a, but they're they're sort of all the same, and it is, I think, kind of traditional, non-denominational Christianity, mm-hmm. but dressed up in like 
ripped jeans. Totally. And, uh, and like cool yeah. yeah. Well, that's the church that drew me back into the evangel. Like I grew up Pentecostal. My It was very, very strict. and We were only allowed to listen to worship music. We weren't allowed to watch TV or anything like that. And then when I was in high school, I joined the evangelical church because everybody had tattoos and they were cool, but they were also like homosexuality is still a sin. Mm-hmm. Just don't act on it. Like, it's okay. We accept all gay people, but as soon as you participate in a homosexual act, yeah. I was like, what the fuck mm. is a homosexual <laughs> act? Yeah. Um, so that's the church where I cried every day for a year. Mm. So my my feeling is that if any, any, um, any amount of, like, uh, exclusive rhetoric is involved, then it's not, it's not, the word of God, then it's not like, it's not Christian. It's not Christ-like. And I think mega churches in, in of, and of themselves are like, are antithetical to Christian beliefs. Yeah. Like I, and that's just my personal opinion, but I can't, you know, if, if Tizze or, or the service that I go to ended up being broadcasted or became a big thing, you know, I would probably feel defensive of it. I would be like, well, it's really great. And it's helping a lot of people. And so I can't say for sure, but I think, I think once profit really gets involved, yeah. I think that there's maybe maybe it should be interrogated mm-hmm. a little bit, at yeah. least by its um, viewership. Somebody's getting a third car out of it. I'm just yeah, I'm and just and saying, maybe you know, not, yeah, maybe not what you're really looking for. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, uh, how did you end up in this church this, today? Um, I was just hungry for for community, so I just I I looked for a, a couple churches around mm-hmm. my area and. And um, what's hard is it only meets like one day a month. Oh, and so if I'm not there for work, I just don't I don't get to go. Yeah, um, but I'll go to my mom's church when I'm in Everett, and my grandma's church when I'm in Idaho, and uh-huh. it's nice. But yeah. I don't I never feel obligated. I think as soon as church becomes like an obligation, then it's just not you're missing the point. Yeah, right. You know, you should want to go. And I feel like I have like this direct connect like connectivity to God when I play piano. Like I'm just, I, I go, it's a really meditative state when I'm writing. And so I, I feel lucky that I get to do that. Yeah. So for me, I'm just looking for the community aspect. So when you, going back to when you were 17 and you're crying in that pew every Sunday, mm-hmm. you're obviously already struggling with your sexuality and your understanding of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when did you come out properly? When I was 17. And I think part of it was the reason I was so upset and crying and every Sunday was because I knew that I couldn't be anything different. I knew once I realized that I was gay, I was like, oh, there's no, I can't, I can't push this back. Like this isn't, this isn't something I can pray away, but it is something that I can at least apologize for and and say that I'm sorry. So I, it was pretty much like I, met a girl I liked and I was like, oh, okay, everything makes sense. Like I just haven't, I it was like, I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know. And um, so after that, it was just very clear to me. And um, uh, yeah, I came out to my family and my friends very easily. And it wasn't, it wasn't really a problem because this was at the beginning of like the, let's see what year would it have been like 2006. And it was still not cool. Like there were maybe like four or five queer people in my entire school that were out. Mm-hmm. And um, I was definitely like, you know, it was challenging, but it wasn't, it wasn't like I was going to get murdered, at least at my yeah. school. You know, I wasn't going to get beat up. And also no one was going to mess with me. I was a very, very tough. And, well, once you had that- <laughs> and very cool. Of course. <laughs> once you had that clarity- were you dating? Yeah, that, and that was the reason that I came out was because yeah. I had I had a crush on this girl who ac- actually happened to go to the evangelical youth group. <laughs> Some yeah. jokes on you, God. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we, yeah, she was my first girlfriend, and it was very sweet, and I was lucky. I think you know we're still really good friends. It's nice. Yeah. And you have a partner now. Yes. How did you meet? <laughs> we met on Tinder. Nice. <laughs> well, and I was kind of, I was just really casually dating because I, you know, it was like, I just wasn't really taking Tinder seriously. Yeah. And um, I had met a couple people, but it just didn't really feel like, like, well, okay, I'm just kind of resigned to dating. I'll just focus on myself and this album, whatever. 
and we met up, and I thought for sure, because when I was on Lesbian Tinder, I mean, it was like, of course, they've got to rec- they recognize me, right? You know, like, mm-hmm. and most of the time, I'd get you know get a lot of messages, and I'd have to really vet them and make sure it felt safe, and I wasn't gonna have to do anything drastic. Right. So I thought for sure that she like recognized me and that's why she swiped, you know, there yeah. would be no other reason. And, um, cause she was just so, I mean, she's so cute yeah. and she's mm-hmm. very successful. And I just, I was shocked, but we, we hit it off and she was just saying like all the right things. She was just, it was like, she's my perfect match. And then, um, and I said that I didn't really want to talk about work or my job. Like I just kind of, you know, want to have fun. And she said, so I know you don't want to talk about work. And I think my eyes started glazing over because I was ready for the question. And she's like, but you mentioned like traveling a lot. And can I, can I ask you something? And I was like, okay, here's, here's a Macklemore question. Or here's Uh the, she's like, do you have TSA (laughs) pre-check? I died (laughs) after I died. Yeah. Yeah, It just was really fun. And she didn't, she didn't know who I was and she kind of, she knew, she knew that song, but she really didn't know anything else about me. And so we've been able to like kind of discover each other on a, on a really neat, in, in, on a neat plane. Yeah. <laughs> we could be fans of each other instead yes, of just exactly. one exactly. Yeah. yeah. How long has it been? Over a year. Mm. Yeah. Right yeah. So did you move out there for her? No, I was already living out there. You were? Okay. Yeah. It was just gorgeous out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> so you then were able to kind of take your guard down a little bit because you know this person doesn't have a preconceived idea. Exactly. But yeah. it was still a lot, a lot to convince me because I had just dealt with um, kind of a scary situation. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, I thought for sure, she was just saying, I mean, she, I mean, on the, on the date, she was like, I'm probably going to, obviously it's TMI, but not TMI, it's me. Um, she, she'd said, uh, oh, well, I'm bipolar. And I was like, oh, I'm bipolar too. And, I'm just used to people telling me what their mental illnesses are, yeah. like I'm from from what I do. And she just looked shocked that I had said I was bipolar. Yeah, you know. And, wow. and for me, it was like not very surprising. But then, as the next couple of days went on, it was just like, oh my god, everything's like we almost tied at Scrabble. We had the same albums. We had the same book collections. We were with the same snort laugh. It's uh-huh. just like the same approach to everything. And so I was like, okay. And you don't. You've never. Watched an interview or heard anything about me before. So it's just kind of neat. Oh, that's the ideal situation. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that is. So a lot of similarities. In what yeah. ways are you different or what, in what ways are, do you complement each other's differences? She's much more type A than I am. Like she's very organized. She's very – she likes getting tasks done. She loves doing laundry. I hate doing it. It's like I, I can't remember the last time I did laundry. She's just she folds my clothes and oh, stuff. Wow. It's so nice. Yeah. But I love cooking. She's good at cooking too, but I love to do that. We're uh, we're just a good it's just good just a good match. The other okay, this is the other weird thing. Every time that I've watched fireworks in my life, I can't help. I just have unbridled joy. And I, I scream. I scream and I I can't. I love them, and I'm like, look at that, and I can't help it. They're magnificent. Fireworks yeah. are incredible, and everybody takes it for granted. Like, oh, they're just lights in the sky. It's a fireworks are incredible. So whenever it's Fourth of July or New Year's, I am so loud, and I can't help it. I've always been this way, and it's annoyed probably everybody I've ever been with because yeah. <laughs> they're like. Let people enjoy the show. And I'm like, I can't. It's so amazing. And someone was filming, like, the fireworks going off, and we were saying the exact same exclamations at the same time. Like, I think we both said, wow, look at that. At the same time, I was like, jeez. That's so funny. That's why we used to go to this show in Columbus, Ohio, every year called Red, White, and Boom. And I would take a friend because it was this known thing of my group of friends, like, wait till you see Matt's mom with the fireworks. Really? She would have an orgasmic reaction. Yes. To, and she would, like, a different reaction to every, oh, mm-hmm. oh. That's ooh. me. You, know? <laughs> you two watching fireworks together would be, that would be a show myself. <laughs> um, this is, I forget which Sklar this is, but uh, right when he was first dating his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, her, uh, the, the 
then girlfriend's parents were in town and it was July 4th and they went to a, uh, a fireworks display. Mm-hmm. And, and the one that's like kind of coppery colored that like comes down like a willow oh, tree. I sure. love and, that one. And the, his now mother-in-law, this was, I think the night they met said, Oh, it's like a, golden shower. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Have you seen the video uh, from San Diego of the entire fireworks display going off at the same time? It's one of my favorite videos of all time. It's pretty impressive. What happens? No. I mean, it looks super dangerous. It does. It's crazy that nobody died. Yeah. But do you want to explain? No, no, you do it. Well, I don't know if I can, but all of the fuses were lit at the exact same time as opposed to them being lit off one What should have been like a 15-minute show or something. Yeah. Yeah. When off in 90 seconds. And it's pretty incredible. I wish I'd been there. It's like, I feel like it's the the visual description of an orgasm. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like. I'm glad in a way that you did not see that, Mary, because you might not have survived. I would have died. You might have passed. (laughs) I would have passed out, yes. You might have exploded like a firework. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you didn't see that too. Uh, Do you ever plan to get married? Yes. Yes. Yeah, big time. Ooh. She's every. She really keeps me on my toes. She'll like. She'll. She'll like hand her phone over to me, and she's like, "What do you think of this one? It's an engagement uh-huh. ring." Uh-oh. And she's usually spot on. Yeah. So, do you have a sense of? <laughs> I always think it's interesting to in same-sex couples who are considering mm-hmm. marriage. Yeah. Who Who the proposer and who the proposee is? I mean, it sounds like. Yeah, it's her. You're going to be proposed. Yeah, to. you should see her haircut, and I feel like you'd know. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> We did. We do this. No, it's, it, it, it's, it's all. That's always been my dream. I always wanted to. Be, I've never been proposed to, and I want to. Uh, I want to be proposed sounds to. Sounds like it's coming. Yeah. It's now. Yeah. Maybe by the time this episode drops, Fun. we'll have some new news. We love it. What about children? Oh yes. Really? Yeah, I want kids so bad. I want Without kids hesitation, so yes. Bad. Both of us. Like anytime a kid, we're just like. We just can't stop talking about parenting and how you know what we want to do with our kids and what do you want to do with your kids? (laughs) Raise them perfectly. Uh (laughs) You know it's going to be impossible. Yeah, but I mean it's our schedules really like we're really lucky with the schedules that we have. Like she she'd be able to take sabbatical or you know and have a flexible schedule, and I can take breaks too and. I'm just very excited. Yeah. I want kids so bad. I went through a really serious phase when I was like 18 or 19 where I was like, I need to have a kid right now. Wow. And I'm really glad I didn't because yeah. I was a hot mess. Sure. <laughs> it's good that you took a beat. Yeah. <laughs> you gathered yourself. And... Do you have a number of children in mind? Two. I want two kids. You want two kids. Yeah. These okay. are fast. I mean, you have given this a lot of fun. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. Wow. <laughs> Mary Lambert knows what she wants. She's the woman who knows what she wants. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, well, I think we have to let you go, but I would like to do this for several more hours. Me too. I mean, you're a dream and a firework in human form. Aww. Yes, baby, you're a firework. <laughs> you should write that as a song. Yeah. Oh no my one God, done that. no one's ever done that. If you have a notebook with you, you might want to, just before we leave. <laughs> Mary Lambert, thank you so much. We're such fans. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. What a delightful time. Yay.